0: Welcome to Worship at Grace Lakin. This service was recorded on November 20th, 2022. Pastor Rem Dias brings a Gospel message from the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 6, verses 11 through 21, titled, The Good Fight. Good morning. Yeah. Welcome everybody. So glad to see your faces here. This cold, cold Sunday morning. <laughs> Um, I'm going to read the mission statement real quick. You're welcome to join me Goodbye, if you'd like. It's in the front of the program. By grace, you are rooted in the gospel, committed to growing together, and sent to love Lincoln and the nations. Please stand for the call to worship.
1: Good morning. Today's call to worship is based on Psalm 106, verses 1 and 2, 1 and 2, also 47. I will read the unboldered portions of says, leader, and we can all join me in the bold portions of Paul. Praise the Lord,
2: O oh give thanks to the Lord. For he is good and he is love, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let, Let the Lord be of the mighty deeds of the
0: Lord and His praise. praise. Praise the Lord your God, for he saves and gathers and gathers us from among the nations. And we may give thanks to his holy name. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord.
1: the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness. But one who in every respect has been tempted as we are. And look at this next phrase. This next phrase. If this next phrase is not in the Bible, we don't have hope. Yet without sin. He is the one without sin. And then it says, because of that, look, look, let us then, with confidence, confidence, people, confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You know what we're doing this morning? We're we're drawing near to a giant throne, a throne of grace, because there is one who is without sin. And and let us do something this morning. As, as we do this, and again don't get in the habit of confessing our in this in this moment, but let us let us come near with confidence. And what is confidence It's like giving everything to him? Even the things that you're kind of hiding and you're a little bit ashamed of, like you're just gonna you're just gonna dump it all on him this morning. Because his grace, listen, is more and his grace is so so sufficient to cover that sin. So let's draw near to him and turn a son prayer And Lord, right now, where they, whoever is just feeling so weighty this morning, so discouraged by the amount of their sinning, the amount of them trying to go to the world over and over and over again, and yet feeling unsatisfied. Can we, Father, by your spirit, can we fall on this text, this morning that you're saying, hey, I'm going without sin, and I have a throne of grace for you. And that, Father, we would shift our confidence off of us and just fall, surrender, rest, in that amazing event. On your grace this morning, Jesus. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you just use this time this morning? Use this service to, to do that in us. To draw us nearer to you, that your new hope in us, your new anticipation in us. And that we would taste and see how great and good you are. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, our of parting comes from. A great book, Zephaniah chapter 3, 14 through 15. And it says this sing aloud. That means you got to sing. It's scripture. All right. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout. Yeah, you can shout. Oh, dear. You can shout. There's going to be a holy shout this morning. Shout, O Israel. And why are we singing? Why are we going to get up and shout and dance? Well, ooh, it's not there yet, but you can dance, I guess. You can do that. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. That caused me to dance. Uh, he, has che- he has cleared away your enemies. The king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. Oh, I, Okay, the king of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. He's in our midst. So stand and sing aloud. <laughs> As yes, let's do it.
0: I dread I know I am forgiven The future's shown The pride
1: It's gonna be on the screen. This is the last sermon in First Timothy. Uh, we made it. Another book. Great job, guys. Uh, give yourself a pat on the back. Uh, and it's you know I thought about it. It is uh, it is not an easy uh, an easy letter. There's this hard hitting stuff. And so uh, another not a really light sermon today um, as he ends the book. But hopefully it's encouraging to you uh, and. Uh, just to let you know where we're going, so next Sunday is Advent, which is just crazy. Uh, and so four Sundays, uh, so starting next Sunday and the next four after that, we're going to go through the songs of the Savior, uh, there's four songs in Luke uh, that anticipate Jesus' arrival, uh, and so we're going to be looking at those. Really fun. Uh, and then after that, we're going to jump to the Old Testament, and we're going to hit the book of Ruth, and so if you've been, like, not enjoying First Timothy, because Timothy's a letter, and it's just like, you know, um, it's a different type of genre of scripture, Ruth is a narrative, it's a story, and a lot more like our Jonah series, so, uh, yeah, and it won't be as long, so, uh, just to give you a window of where we're going, but, here we go, let's let's dive in, let's finish it out, First uh, Timothy, and we're going to be verses 11 through verse 21. It's on the screen if you want to follow along. Uh, But here we go. Verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called, He who is the blessed and only Sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone is is immortal, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see, to him be honored and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes in the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. And he ends, verse 1. O Timothy, guard... Guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irrelevant battle and the contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith, grace be with you. And everyone that's been tired, the Timothy series just said, Amen. Uh, no, but anyway. Title in this message The Good Fight. Turn to your neighbor and say, The Good Fight. And your other neighbor and say, "I didn't know fighting was good." Yeah, yeah, he especially. All right, let's pray one more time. Lord, thank you. I just really, I really thank you for this passage. I thank you for this letter, Lord. I thank you that it's your word. It's and I just, it's amazing to me that that you are building your church. It's amazing to me that we can come in here, open this book that is your word, your breath on the page, and we get to sit under it to hear from you. And I just pray that yeah, Holy Spirit, I wouldn't get away. I would just clearly show them what's here. And we will our hearts will delight. You would stir our affection. Uh, in Jesus' name Amen. Alright, any any Rocky fans, anybody that love the Rocky movies here? Oh gosh, okay, this is what Seriously? What, two or three people on the Rocky movies? Okay, alright, alright. It's okay to raise your hand in church. Rocky movies are amazing. This story okay, we're just gonna talk about Rocky movies uh, this morning. No, if you haven't seen all the Rocky movies, then you leave now, okay? Give me permission to leave now and to start watching them on Netflix. because it yeah, it'll save it. It'll Uh, No, but uh, the Rocky movies are great, Um, and I just had the epiphany yesterday. My kids have not seen the Rocky movies, and I'm like, what am I doing? I need to train them up. Uh, And so, anyway, Rocky movies, Uh, boys, be ready. Anyway, so Rocky 3. I love Rocky 3. Okay, Rocky 3 is a great one. Uh, Some people don't like it, but I love it because of why. Why Mr. T? You know, Mr. I will bust you up. You know, I just, you know, I just love. I mean, Mr. is great. Uh, but there's this scene in Rocky 3 that just gives me like, ah, uh, I just don't like it. And it's the very beginning, the very beginning. And Rocky is he's kind of letting his guard down, right? He's he's, he's a ride. He's beat he's beat uh, Apollo, and he's a ride, and he's he's feeling good. And there's this scene where he's training for this fight, with, the first fight with Mr. T, and he's like. He's not in the, his 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 old gym where he's punching the dead cow. I'm never sure why that made you a better fighter, but it just you know just want to punch the bag. And, and so he's not there anymore. He's in some fancy gym, and Mick is like you know Mick, yeah, come on, Rock. You know Mick is like, what are you doing, Rock? What are we doing here? Let's go back to the old gym. And, and like Rocky's like you know he's like punching the bag. And he's like, it's no big deal. And then he's on this like little bow machine, and uh, a girl comes up and he's like, hey, get a kiss. And she's like, uh, you know. And he's like, you know. And then you know, he's just, it's not Rocky. Right. He's just like skipping and then like dancing, and everybody's coming. And, and then it, it, it goes to the scenes of Mr. T, and he's like in this like cell, like I don't even know where he's at. And he's and just screaming and punching walls, and he just looks so mean. And then the fight comes. He's letting his guard down, and the fight comes, and he, you know Rock is coming in. And what happens? Rock gets messed up. <laughs> he does. I mean, he gets knocked out. I think the second round, and you know, it just it wakes him up. You just, I just don't like it because he lets his guard down. And I, I just instantly thought of that as I went to this passage, because really, what uh, Timothy's going to end saying is like, hey. Paul, Paul said to Timothy, Fight the good fight. He's going to say, Fight. Don't let your guard down. And this, this phrase, Fight the good fight, is um, the Greek phrase is actually a, it means voluntary athletic agony. That's literally what the Greek phrase is voluntary athletic agony. And it was literally uh, used um, in that context, in this time, for like a grueling race. Like cross country, like it's a grueling race or a hardcore boxing match. I mean, it's a. I mean, that's what he's saying. He's like, man, it's it's gonna be tough. Fight the good fight of faith. And so, as we land the plane of this letter, we've seen that that the church is—he calls it this household of God—and we've seen him make some big marks of, of what the church should look like. And you you saw the first week we were hey, I mean, all throughout this letter, he's saying defend good doctrine by, okay, we've got we've to make sure we're, we're pushing back false teachers, and we've seen him how to, that he's set up in the church, there's the offices of elders and deacons, and we looked into that, and we looked into the, the role of women, and we looked into the centrality of prayer in a church. We've looked into how, how should a uh, congregation uh, and the relationships in a congregation work. How should we treat each other? And we've looked into uh, what should we do for those, how do we care for those? But he's going to end with one of his biggest things, and he's going to say, Timothy, don't grow weary. Don't let your guard down, but fight. And guard. Guard this good deposit. And he's basically, gonna, and the takeaway for us is that he's basically saying, hey, the Christian walk is a fight. It's a fight. And you're going to have to guard this gospel. And when we see all over scripture that the Christian walks a fight, you see it in Romans 8, Ephesians 6.11, 1 Peter 2.11, 2 Timothy 4, seven. I mean, that's what we're saying. It's like, hey, it's, it's going to take, it's an avenue. It's going to be a fight. But here's the the beautiful news this morning. And here's the amazing thing about Robin 3. Who comes to his side at the beginning, after the fight? Apollo. Apollo comes, and he's like, picks him back up, and he helps him train. He helps him train for this fight again. And see, that's what we're going to look at this morning. Because while the Christian life is a fight... Um, there's also tons of victory because we don't fight as victims, we fight as victors because we have Christ who is the ultimate victory. So the question for us though is as a congregation, as, as we walk with Christ, how do we fight the good fight? Like what's he actually going to tell Timothy in more detail? Because I don't know I, I would want to know, right? Are you talking with me this morning? Alright, that's where we're going. So uh, if you're taking notes, we've got uh, three observations as we go through this deck so how do we fight? How do we fight the good fight of faith? Uh, because we don't want to be left out. We don't want to be left out. Alright, so the first observation we have is we fight the good fight by fleeing and pursuing. Everybody say fleeing, so I know you're awake. There you go. Fleeing and pursuing. Alright, this is verses 11 through 16. So verse 11 he says, But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. And what are these things that he's talking about? These things are everything he just said uh, about these false teachers and the, the things that they were seeking. And that was these... Uh, the false teachers—they were there was dissension, there were slander, and they loved money and greed. And basically, he's saying, "Flee the sinful desires of the flesh. Flee them, Timothy." And you just said, "Whoa!" I mean, in a fight, uh, hold it! I thought we were supposed to fight. And in a fight, uh, you flee. You, you—I mean, that's a chicken. You're chicken if you're you're flying. I mean, you don't want to flee in the middle of a fight, do you? I mean, what's the deal? Well, I'm telling you, if I met a uh, 250 pound, uh, you know, (laughs) stacked football player in the back alley and he wanted to fight me, uh, it is strategy in fighting to flee from him. Okay? It would be a delusion for me to think, oh, yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. You know, no. It's strategy and I'm getting out of it. And I'm fleeing. And see, what he's saying here, and what he's saying to us, is that as we walk with Christ, we have to know when to flee sin. We have to know that it, it sin is pervasive and it's deceptive. And I mean, I, I was thinking about this idea of fleeing as Joseph, you know, I don't know if many of you know the story of Joseph in Genesis 39. Verse 12, but Potiphar's wife is like trying to seduce him and, 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 and really just get him, his mind off of God in an unhealthy way. what does Joseph do in the middle of it? He just runs out of there. He just flees. He runs. And so, guys, we cannot give, we cannot give sin room at our table. We, I mean, we, we don't invite sin over for dinner. We don't, I mean, I mean, no. We we make wine. We flee it at all cost. I love um, I love what John Owen says. He says, "Be killing sin, or sin will be killing you." Or another author says, and I love this: is is that there is nothing in grace that powers sin. And so, what, you know, when, when we understand grace is captivated in our hearts, we want to, okay, we, we're not playing with the poison. We're making it all out of salt on it and say, okay, we got to flee at all costs. So I don't know what it is for you. I know there's things in my life I need to make more on it and i just got to flee. There's certain times in the day, I, I can't, I mean, I've got to put some, um, uh, some, Uh, Time frames on some apps, or I'm just on my phones. I I mean, you gotta. I don't know what it is for you, but maybe some of you need to literally flee a hobby because it's wrecking and it's causing havoc and growth. Some of you need to just maybe need to flee a relationship. Some of you need to flee an app, flee something on your phone, flee uh, a certain time of the day that you're just ultimately tinted and you just don't even need to be around. You just need to flee it. I don't know what it is, but flee. He's saying Timothy. The Christian life is part fleeing, but it's not just part fleeing. And this is this is great. It's pursuing. We don't just flee sin; we pursue something, and that's that's what he says. Uh, Paul says, "But pursue." So the text goes on. and says, "Pursue righteousness." Everybody say, pursue. "Pursue." There you go. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, and righteousness. I love it. So righteousness uh, denotes uh, this idea of your your conduct before other humans as that's that's, uh, 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 that's godly. So it's um, but also godliness is a is duty given. Um, it's duty given to God. It's like this this likeness and faith means okay again just dependency on God. It's that's where you I mean it's just an all out falling dependency on God and love here is more like this idea of, of, of a spirit birth affection and desire for, for another. Steadfastness, he's meaning, okay. Steadfastness is, is meaning don't quit under hard oppositions. Times when it's tough. It's like Jacob means steadfast. And then gentleness. I love how he, he puts in gentleness here because he's basically saying kindness toward difficult people. So he's saying, okay, Flee, Paul said. Flee, but also pursue. Pursue these things, these, these affections for God, these, these deeper qualities for God. I mean, how are we doing it? pursuing more of Him? And see, this is where this is where it, the rubber is about, okay? Because it's not just fleeing sin, but replacing replacing fleeing sin with a greater desire. Pursuing is pursuing out of a heart of a greater desire, a greater affection. And uh, I might have used this illustration here ago, or probably a year ago. But um, I couldn't think of a better way to explain it. Um, so the the ancient Greek myth, the Odyssey. Ready to read the Odyssey? You know, kind of, you know so Ulysses uh, he's going home and he has to pass along these rocky shores, and it's really kind of crazy. Uh, because there's these sirens in the water, uh, I don't know much about, or whatever, but uh, these sirens come up out of the water, and they start uh, singing, and they're, they're, the singing is so enchanting, it's so beautiful that uh, sailors hear it, and it, it just enchants them, and they go crazy so much by the desire that they jump over the ship and they drown. And uh, so this is like, okay, I got an idea, All right, I got to make capacities, so I'm going to, I'm you know, when tell my sailors, tie me to the mass. Literally, tie me to the mass, and everybody put clay in your ears so that way when we pass, that we'll, we'll be able to pass okay. And and so they do that, you know, and they you know, tie me to the mass, and put clay in the, and they the pat the signs book and, and and they make it. Listen, that is one way to fight sin. And that's kind of what he's talking about here, you know, fleeing from sin, is that is one way. Just tie me to the mass, so it's just, that a Christian life is just fighting sin, fighting sin. But oh no, wait! Story goes on because Jason, Jason gets it. He's, he's actually Jason's like, okay, I got to actually a better way to do this. And so Jason, he's like, okay, I'm gonna get the world's greatest harvest. And uh, he gets the world's greatest harvest. And and he said that the moment the sirens come up, I want you the harvest is to start shrunk. And he does. And so they come across, and, and he, the sirens come up, and he starts hearing that, and he's like, okay, okay, start playing the harp. And he starts playing the harp, and he said, my heart was enchanted by a greater beauty that I didn't want to jump off. You have got to see the parallel. Listen, you will not make great much. you will not great You're not making good strides in in defeating sin by just saying, tie me to the Mass. What the Christian walk is, is not just avoiding sin, it's being enchanted. It's being enchanted by a greater glory, being so marvelous by a greater God that it's just, oh, I gotta have it. I gotta, I want it. You know, I used to drink bad coffee, all right? And uh you know like, side note, I did. I made this folders like whatever. And then I started grinding some beans. And I started like, people come over here now and they're like, you're so not a Western, you're a weird hippie dude. And I like make it in like some glass bowl, like a Chemex, like kind you know that pour over thing, and I start, you know, smell it and I taste it. But the thing is it's so good, like I taste tasted good coffee, I'm not going back to back coffee. And when I do taste it, i like, ah, it's back coffee. Like, in a real reality, guys, God's saying, taste and see. It's not just about food, but taste, look at, behold the glory of God and who He is, and then be enchanted by a greater glory of who He is. And that's what He's going to say here. And how do we do that? How, how do we get a chance? We look at Christ and who He is. And that's what Paul does. Look at the verse, goes on. Verse 12, He says, uh, he says, take hold, Timothy, take hold of eternal life to which you were called. And he says, on which you made a good confession. This is this is phenomenal because Timothy, he just said, Timothy, God called you. And we really don't have time to get really into all that, but that's a big theological word to call effectual calling. And we believe that in our reformed faith, where we believe God actually—you're dead, you're so dead—you ain't coming to God. He's coming to you, and He affectionately calls you. He has called you. The reason you've come to faith is not anything you've done in of yourself, but He called you to Himself because He desires you. So He said, "Hey, uh, I've called you Timothy, and then now this is the amazing thing." He says, "Now, take hold, take hold of the eternal life." Wait, God called me. Why do I have to take hold of it? And that's the amazing thing. It's like, yeah, God called you, but you still take hold. You still need to take hold of the eternal life now. And he's saying the same thing to does, by the way. L- listen, this is, this, this is hope-filled. If you're in Christ, he's got you. He ain't letting go. He's got you. He's called you. And he's saying, take hold of the eternal life. So many of us are like, oh, I can't wait to get to heaven. It's heaven. or the new earth. Yes, that's great. Amen. I'm with you on that. But if the enemy can't drag you to hell he's gonna this, he wants to make you live like hell you know, all the way to heaven and what Christ is saying is take hold of the eternal life the kingdom now you can have your choice now <laughs> and, and that's what he says saying like, take hold of that and then he just I love it, he keeps going on this idea of pursuing he says just as Christ and this verse 13 15, just as Christ, uh, a minute before Pontius Pilate, and, and made a good confession. And what was the confession that Christ made before Pontius Pilate? That He's King. That Christ was King. So in the midst of hard persecution, He knew Jesus knew what was going what it was gonna lead to, and Him making that good confession, He made the good confession. So talk about someone who remained said that Christ. So again to Look, look, He made the good confession. Christ with help, he was the fast. Again, look. And then he lands and he says, Timothy, keep the commandments. Keep the commandment. Which that just that commandment put a little sign on your Bible that just means the gospel, the faith. Keep the faith, keep the gospel central. And then he says, unstained. Unstained. Because, and the verse goes on in the sermon, like, because the Lord is coming to you. The Lord is coming again. Keep it on state. The Lord is coming again. And then Paul does something amazing in verses 15 and 17. I love this. And this is just free for us. He starts talking about Jesus and what happens? He just busts into worship. He just busts into doxology. I mean, you read it it. It's like... Ah, that didn't look like it really lined up. Like, you're saying things. They're just like, oh, praise the Lord. And, like, that's, that's the Christian life. It doesn't really, like, you start looking at Jesus. It's just, just ooh, got to get what I seat. And I got to see. Because God is good. And that's what he does. So, Paul says in verse 15, the only sovereign. He starts describing God. He's the only sovereign. Sovereign that means he rules the universe, he's the king of kings and lord of lords. The only true king and he reigns. And then it says, who alone has immortality? He's immortal, can't die. He's <laughs> the beginning of the and then he says, who dwells in unapproachable life, no one has ever seen or can see. He just means that means he is so holy. You're not coming in him apart from Christ. See it. He is hungry. He is so holy. And then it says, worthy of the worthy of all honor and grace. So, the application for us is, how are you doing, how are you doing fleeing and pursuing? If you feel like you're not doing very good at fleeing, like that sin, and you're just kind of torn with it, the gospel says, be enchanted by a greater world. Look at the one who called you to begin with. Look at the one, that, look at Christ who made the good confession even when it was right. Look at him. Look at the one who is all sovereign, who is worthy, who is. And, and be, be, be rooted. That he is the one that is holding you steadfast. I think this is why so many Christians get stuck. And they live a the miserable Christian life because they make it all about just their sin. And how do I just defeat that thing? We look at Christ. you be enchanted. And we are here. And so then he says, we fight the good fight, second point, we fight the good fight by generous eternal giving. And I'm going to be quick here because, like, oh my goodness, I'm talking about giving all last week, but ah, the text says, he just goes right back to money and, and how do we fight the good fight? So, verses 17 and 19, he's. It, it's almost like some scholars think he's like, oh, he has a brain fart moment and he just goes back. No, I think it, it, it is going into this idea because he's gonna he's gonna address the rich. Verse seventeen, he says, "As for the rich." Last week he started talking about those who want to be rich. So now he's gonna say, okay, Timothy, if you do find yourself with a lot of wealth and you want to fight the good fight of faith, how do you how do you do that with wealth? And he's just going to be straightforward again. Verse 17, says, don't be haughty. And what's that? That sounds like haughty. Ooh, sounds like a word I can't say in church. Um, haughty is this idea of, man, it's like, Uh It's this idea of, like, I'm oh, 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 good. And, man, that's, he's like, be careful. That's what money can do. Riches, it. it can make you prideful and haughty, so be careful. He's like, don't be haughty. And then he goes on, and he says, um, don't put your hope in riches. We talked a lot about this last week, so I'm not going to go there, but he says, again, it's like, riches, you, you, put, you put weight on it, it's not holding, it can't hold, it's not good security, it can come and go, all right, don't, don't put your weight on it, many you cannot do that, but where do you put your hope on God? And this is what he says, this is amazing, That's what he says, but put your hope on God, who, you got to get this, this is over okay. there, who rich, He provides us with everything to enjoy. So he's like, okay, find yourself rich. Don't be haughty. Don't put your trust there. But God has, put your hope on God who's richly giving you everything to enjoy. And I love this because it's not saying that God is something like, oh, if you have anything, you should just go really bad about it. No, he's like, hey, God actually wants us to enjoy it. I love how C.S. Lewis put this so good. He's like, C.S. Lewis was in some barn, and he just turns everything into an amazing analogy. And like, there was a ray of sunshine coming through this barn uh, on his face, and he was like, oh man, I'm so warmed by this ray. It felt so good. And that's what, that's what he's saying, that's what riches are. That's what material possessions are. Or any type of delight in life, it's like, oh, this ray, this is good. But he's like, I would be a fool to stop at the ray. I would be a fool to worship the ray. He's like, the ray is coming from a greater source. The ray is leading me back to the sun, this awesome source. And he said, that's what any type of material possession, any type of riches, it's just a ray, and ain't the sun. And so it should lead you back to saying, Wow, thank you. God, look how great you are. Are you tracking with me on that? Okay, so that's that's what he's saying. It's like put your God. He's giving you things to, to enjoy. But then he's going to give us one big practical advice, straight out of the word of God. How do we guard? How do we keep fighting the good fight of faith in the midst of dealing with riches, with wealth? He says right here in the text, here's the application, give it away. He says He's saying, give it away. Verse 18, I love this. He says, they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share. Thus, storing up treasures for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Circle that last phrase. Truly life. If you want to be rich in anything, be rich in giving, be rich in good works, Timothy. Storing up treasures for yourself in heaven, not in earth. He says, that's where life is. And I love how Jesus' words, he, I mean, this, this is what Jesus says. Is he, Jesus says, wh- whoever's going to hold on to your life, he says, whoever holds on to your life, meaning uh, it's all about your life, and how can I get the most and spend the most, of it, it's on me. He said, that's the quickest way to lose your life. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Say. And I love, I love uh, the early church in this because the early church. There was an ancient uh, church historian, He was also a theologian. He was an amazing man. He said <laughs> that Christians spent more. Christians spent more on the poor in the street than the pagans spent at the temple, and the result was rapid worldwide expansion of the gospel. I, I mean think they they're the most generous, giving, loving, just whatever. Okay, happy me. It's not ours. It's just. And the application for you, for me to say, hey, this is exactly what God telling you to do, I don't know. I don't know what the application for you, but what I do know the application for anyone that is in love with Jesus and, and following Him, because this is what just the Bible says, we should be the most generous, caring people in the world. The church is. The hope for the poor. The church is the hope for those who are downcast and in need. What is the plan? The church. That's the plan. People coming together. It's okay. Okay. Where's the need? How can we meet? And so, uh, practically for you, I don't know. Like, I, there's a there's a, so many different ways to to give to the expansion of the kingdom. I was meeting with uh, some people. EPC pastors this weekend they were, this one EPC pastor was talking about this massive amazing uh, movement of God in East Africa right now. Like they can't even keep up with the amount of churches that are being planted over there. And he looked at us and said it takes 3600 bucks to send a church planter there for three years. And we'll send you stuff of, of you know a picture of the planter and how, how they are doing and and I just thought, wow, thirty six hundred bucks on can plant a church in Africa. You know, I I mean, I, I don't know what it is like, what it is for you. But I just the question is, how are you doing with with holding, or or how are we doing at at giving to the mission to the kingdom? Because this is he's saying, Timothy, this is how you fight. You got to understand. This is how we fight the good fight. There. Is this, yeah. this is this how you learn that. Here. And then finally, he he says this. This is so weird. He said, "We fight the good fight of faith by guarding the deposit, by sharing the deposit. We fight the good fight of faith by guarding the deposit, by sharing the deposit." Verses twenty through (coughs) twenty-one. This in the letter. He says, "Oh Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irrelevant babble and contradictions of what falsely called knowledge." For by professing it, some have swerved from the faith. Paul just again summarizes one last time. Timothy, the church and the greatest help, you've got to guard. You've got to guard the good deposit. See, the greatest threat to the church throughout history, throughout history, you look at throughout history, the greatest threat to the church, the help of the church has never been persecution, Persecution has come. Yeah, that's a great threat. Uh, prosperity. You talk about prosperity. Yeah, that has come. That's a great threat. Yeah, it's always been. You want to know what it is? The greatest threat is minimizing Scripture and minimizing Christ. All threat. Making Christ smaller, making Scripture smaller. And that's why he ends with such a name. He says, guard the good deposit. And what is the good deposit? If you're asking, what, why would he say it? Like the deposit, what are you talking about? Like no, the good deposit is the gospel. It's the gospel. You want to guard that at all costs. You want to guard the amazing life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, Timothy, and your church. The last thing I want to say is stay away from all the, the you know, the sways of the culture and all this and just... Oh, it's about guarding the deposit. And one way we guard the deposit, yes, we guard the deposit by holding Scripture high and, and, and making sure that we just, yeah, protecting it from falsehood. But he's also saying guard the good deposit, I love it, by sharing the good deposit. We have to share the good deposit. This is, if think about it, God has entrusted the church. God has entrusted the church with the good deposit, with the gospel. if the world's going to see the beauty if Lincoln is going to see the beauty of Christ the glory of God and the good deposit is the only hope for humanity the gospel and the main point of the church is to guard it and to spread it and we to, that's what he's saying and I love it how he is he says grace grace be with you let that word to you because if you weren't here the first week this is so great uh, I think I think Paul's got a little hiccup, because because you is y'all. It really is because it's plural. It's like you grace be with y'all. And he's meaning he's writing to the whole church again. Yes, this is Timothy, but for the whole church. And so listen, we guard the gospel together. Go ahead and look around. Go ahead. Put it at each other's faces. Go ahead. don't do it. I want you to look around. We have to do it together. We guard the people around the, the church as this church is growing and what we're doing. We, in order for us to to keep growing and keep keep pushing back, keep, we've got to say we have got to do it together. We have to guard this good. We have to share it together. And so again, in practical application. What has God put anything on your heart? Maybe you've been thinking, oh, "I've been coming to grace for a while, and this has be great." Amen. But I would really like to see. Well, I want to expand ministry on us. I would love to see the gospel advance in this area. Maybe God put that on your heart for a reason, I and mean, you just go say, "Hey, let's join up. Let's, let's expand ministry. We should do it together. We everybody's Just moving together." That's what he said, y'all. And that last word, grace, is so important because laying the plan. So, <clears throat> I love how the Rocky movie is, Rocky 3, I love it, because he ends up, right, he ends up training, and he ends up knocking, and is sort of the last fight, he's like, uh, the final round, Mr. Mr. T and him are going at it, and then at one point, Rocky just drops his gloves, and he's like, you're not so bad, come on, Mr. T, come on, hit me again, and Mr. T's like, yeah. come on, you're not so bad, and That is so powerful, because Rocky could have never done it without Apollo. He could have never came up on himself, in and of himself, and I love it. We will will fail miserably without Christ. And listen to Colossians. I love Colossians 1, 28-29. He says, I, Paul, this is Paul, I labored for this, and what is this? He's saying, I labored for maturity in Christ. labored for more of Christ. Get that word. I labored, I fought, you can use the word fight. I labored for more Christ, striving with his strength and worked powerfully in me. So, Paul said, I labored, but it was his strength sustaining me. See, we fight this good fight of faith, knowing that when we don't flee, Christ fled. When we're not pursuing, when we don't feel our affections uh, deeply down, Christ did it perfectly. Christ did it perfectly. So we again, we come to our source of strength. So if you came in there this morning and you haven't put faith in Christ,
2: the message
1: is uh, don't go out and do this and do that and, and try. You, you're not getting the fuck. You're knocked out. You're like really hurt. And the message is hey, Christ is the victor. And he's saying, come and, and, and take hold of me and I will, in an instant, you put faith in me, I am, you're, you're victorious. You're victorious. But for us who have been pursuing him, the message that's right out of scripture, it's the scripture, he's just saying, is like, keep guarding the positive, keep fighting, keep looking, knowing that it's Christ that's gonna get you to the end. That's going to get you to the end? I'm going to end with a pretty lengthy quote. Right? I couldn't think of a better way to summarize this. John Piper says, Yes, the war is fierce. The battle sometimes beats and bodies us at our lows. We can feel even tempted to despair. Even still, Oh, how good is the Christian fight? Good because God assures us that He will tread down our foes. Micah 7:19. Good because He has promised to strengthen us in the thickest parts of the battle. Isaiah 41:10. Good because all who uh, fail can find forgiveness. 1 John 1:9. Good. Good because we slay our sins and devils and not men. Romans 8.13. Good, because this war restores rather than ruins our humanity. Colossians 3.5. And most of all, good, because we fight under, with, and for Christ. He is our great captain and our fellow soldier who won us to himself by dying for us and who vows now never to be our side. So take heart. Take heart. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word. I I, I pray that, Father, you would allow uh, Holy Spirit that you would just allow us to see, to see how great you are. That our heart would be so captivated by you. And I'm praying that if those who feel weary, those who feel, ah, oh, it, it is hard. And there are hard seasons. And Lord, I pray, Jesus, they would draw not strength in others, but they would draw strength by the closing words, to me, grace be you, that you have given us victory already in you beloved son Jesus and they would find renewed strength for the battle for the things that are
0: in you in
1: you and your affections as we turn on the table in Jesus' name amen Um, as we turn to the the table I uh, I couldn't help but think of this quote by Martin Luther. he said did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing we're not the right man on our side the man of God's own choosing you ask who that be Christ Jesus it is he Lord of hosts his name from age to age the same and he must win the battle and he must win the battle so I love it as as we fight this good fight of faith, listen. This is where we draw strength. This is where we draw strength. We draw strength from the table. We draw strength from the table where Jesus said over the night, whose tree took bread and broke into "Take in eat, and do this, do this in remembrance of me." And also, as First Corinthians 11 talks about, hey. He so said, This is the covenant of the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, again, this is the table. That's what Martin Luther is like in and of ourselves in the fight. No. It's in his strength we confide. It's in his strength, in the strength that this is how Christ's death and resurrection, how he the yeah. battle. How you won the ultimate ultimate fire. And so, I ask you to prepare your heart. And again, this table is, this is the Lord's piece This is the Lord's table. And this is not the table of grace, like it this is not the table of the Jesus. And so that means that this is for the believer. This is for those who say, I have faith in Christ, I have trusted in Him, and I need Him. And I want Him. And so if you're, if you're not a believer, you know, we're not being mean, but if you're not a believer, you have to put faith in Christ, then what we're going to say is, in this moment, fall upon His grace. Amen. The Lord's been stirring in your heart, the Holy Spirit's been working, then just simply admit the truth. You're a sinner, you can't save yourself. Jesus is the Lord, and you just just say, Jesus, come, and I I want you to be the Lord. So do that in this moment. And then, do not leave without Tell all of us we can celebrate you, we can champion you in that. But let's pray one more time again on the white check. Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, bless these elements and just help us to prepare our hearts. Prepare our hearts for this amazing sacrament. That we would take it with renewed God, renewed wonder. In Jesus' name, amen. So, again, if uh, you're new or you haven't taken communion, or just a refresher, we have gluten free options here if if you'd like. Um, But when your heart is ready, we invite you forward. And you're simply going to tear a piece of the bread. Tear a piece of the bread. And it's simple. You just dip it into the juice. And you can tear a big piece. (laughs) You can tear small. Just come as you are. So, when your heart's ready, we invite you forward. From your hands. Uh, so uh, again, if, if it's in your heart to give uh, to this church body, then you can. There's a black box as you exit on the left. You can drop your your donations in there, uh, and, or there's ways to give online. But I encourage you to do so. Um, and now would you stand as we sing our closing song together.
2: Joining us at Grace Laken. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at GraceLakenKS, on YouTube, and at GraceLaken.com.